T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, we can just let this go. Welcome and welcome back. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Saturday Suckage. Our uh, final hour. We uh, thank you for joining us, sticking with us. And uh, we are now going to go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. And we are going to welcome in Dan Wallach. And this is a, this is a baseball story as only Matt Spiegel can experience, can live, and can tell. Dan, thanks for joining us. And I'm just going to back out of the way right now. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Hey, Dan. Um, what a what a pleasure. I, I had told the story back when I traveled to Greenville, South Carolina for a wedding and went to see the um, the single A team there, the Red Sox affiliate. There, What's the name of the team again? The, the Greenville Drive. Went, went to see the Greenville Drive, and it's a little mini Fenway Park, an adorable little stadium. And I'm leaving the stadium, and I'm looking across the street, and I'm like, what's that little house doing over there? I, th- that's how clueless uh, I was. <laughs> Not shoeless, but clueless. And then I find out that it is the Shoeless Joe Jackson Home and Museum. And I'm like, oh, my God. what? I didn't know this was here. And I tweet about I tweet a picture of me in front of it. How cool is this? Oh, I wish uh, I wish it was open. And I get tweeted at by the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. And it's you saying, uh, you're in town. My dad could meet you tomorrow morning. And your dad gives me an unbelievable <laughs> personal tour before the, before the museum opened. And, I mean, that in itself was a great story and everything like that. But then we find out your connection. You are uh, a, a Chicagoan. And you're a bartender at Yaxi's, is that right? Yes, sir. It sure is. All right. So, so how the hell does this happen that Dan Wallach, you end up being the guy in charge of the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum in Greenville, South Carolina, coming from suburban Chicago and Wrigleyville bartending? How does that work? It's a, it's a pretty wild ride. Um, so about 12 years ago, my parents retired and moved out to the Greenville area. We're you know born and born and raised in Chicago, Chicagoland. So. I uh, went out to go visit them after they moved, and, you know, I was about 21 years old at the time and figured, hey, you know, a 10-day vacation in the mountains would be great. And after the second day, I'm like, what are we going to do for nine more days? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 21, so, you know, it's it's great, but I'm not, not quite ready for a 10-day do-nothing vacation. So we're kind of scrambling for stuff to do, and we realized that, oh, okay, the museum had just recently opened. Uh, we love baseball. We're a baseball history family. Um, you know, we happen to be White Sox fans, but 
uh, we'll, we'll let that get in the way of the, the Wrigleyville bartender <laughs> job. Um, <laughs> so we're like, hey, you know, the Greenville Drive is in town. This is perfect. We'll go to a couple games while I'm here. We'll check out the museum. Great. So we go in. We're walking around the museum. And the original curator at the time comes up to me and she's like, hey, you look like you play baseball. And I was like, yeah, you know, I used to, but haven't in a couple of years. She goes, well, great. We've got a game on Saturday. It starts at 11. So why don't you show up around 10 o'clock and uh, it'll be great. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm in, I'm in town for, for this weekend still. So perfect. And she goes, um, so we'll probably, we'll put you in left field. And I was like, oh, you want me to play in this game? <laughs> I thought she was just saying like, hey, come out and watch. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just here on vacation. I don't have my glove. I don't have my shoes. I don't have anything. And she goes, yeah, it's 1860s style rules. So you don't need a glove. We're playing with, uh, you know, without gloves. The ball's a little bit bigger, a little bit softer. You catch it on a bounce, it still counts as an out. Um, so don't worry about any of that stuff. Just show up. It's going to be great. All right, hold on. Uh, hold on. Yep. So, yep. so the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum invites you to play in a baseball game with 1860. That's the decades. 1860s. Yep style rules so you're like okay what what was this game dan so so it turned out to be the first annual and i know uh, herb lawrence hates that term so we'll call it the inaugural <laughs> um, <laughs> well the i'll inaugural bring that up to him when herb comes after <laughs> us uh, well at that time we didn't know if there was going to be a second one so it was the first annual um it, and uh, it was a game against the thai cobb museum from royston georgia i love so, that so I love we that you're just playing Ty Cobb Museum against the Jules Joe Jackson Museum, and the winner gets the these Lou are, Gehrig Museum in upstate the, New York. Right, and these are these are obviously employees of the museum, but also apparently friends of the museum and or patrons of the museum who looked like maybe they could play. It was literally just anybody who looks like they could play. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're two small museums. You know, we're both 501c3s and, and don't have huge staffs. So it was just, okay, the weeks leading up to the game, we got to start asking people who can show up and play. And uh, I happened to be in town when that happened. So it turned out to be just an amazing event. You know, we had um, descendants from both Shoeless Joe Jackson and Ty Cobb either at the game or playing in it with us. A bunch of the people who played were also historians and experts on both guys. So it was just a, an incredible community of people. And I decided to start going back year after year. And, you know, since my parents were in the area, I would use that as my excuse to make that the trip to go visit them. And here we are 11 years later. Um, this past October was the 11th game. I was the one who actually set up that event. You know, I coordinated everything and and put it all together. And uh, it's because this past May, the original curator from the Joe Jackson Museum stepped down. And after knowing me for a decade, uh, the board of directors called me up and said, hey, do you want to come take over? And <laughs> I was like, you guys do know that I live in Chicago, right? <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah, you'd have to move. <laughs> so uh, it, was, uh, it was, you know, some negotiation from there, but it was definitely something I was interested in doing. And um, we're, we're really excited about a lot of the stuff that we have coming up. Wow. So that's, so now you, you have moved down there and, I'm and moving in like six days, in six <laughs> days you are moving. And this is, this is your life for the foreseeable future. The curator of the shoeless Joe Jackson home and museum. It's, yeah. a, it's an amazing, amazing story of like, go ahead and do something that's fun. Be passionate about it, be involved. And you never know where the hell life can take you. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's kind of been 
my philosophy always is never, never turn anything down because you never know what it can turn into. And, you know, that's even how I got started bartending at Yoxie's is they used to have two locations, the original one on diversity. A buddy of mine used to work there and put out a Facebook post saying, hey, we need somebody to watch door tonight because our guy just bailed. Who can help out? I had experience working door, so I was like, hey, I can be over there. And soon enough, I was bartending, and then they moved me over to the Wrigleyville location. And five years later, I was <laughs> basically the head bartender at the, the Wrigleyville location of Yoxie. So um, it's you just you never know what can happen if you put yourself in a position to to be there for somebody. So that's kind of the life motto, I guess. Dan, like every coach says, the best ability is availability. There it is. And <laughs> you're an example of that. So let's discuss a couple things. Dan Wallach is our guest, the Yoxie's bartender who's now going to curate the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum home. And and the to show you the depth and breadth of how much you were the right man, you have an autograph. You have a tattoo of the man's signature. You have the tattoo on your foot. Mm-hmm. The signature of a man who is illiterate, right? So how does that happen? So um, he never learned how to read or write because by the time uh, he was six years old, he was already working, um, working in the textile mills as uh, basically sweeping up the floors and, and doing stuff like that to help you know raise money for, raise money for his family. So he never went to school for a single day in his life, never learned how to read or write. So when he would need to sign autographs, um, either his wife would do it for him, his wife, Katie, who ended up being a business partner with him. You know, they used to run businesses in basically every city that he ever lived and they were successful business people. Um, so she would either sign the autograph for him or he would carry a little piece of paper in his wallet of her signature of his name. And if she wasn't around, he would trace it. He would pull that out and trace it. Wow. So there are, probably less than 10 examples where we know for certain it is his version of his signature. Most of them are on legal documents. So the deed to his uh, liquor store, the deed to his house, his last will and testament, his driver's license, stuff like that. So it's all legal documents. So I took the signature from his last will and blew it up uh, to 3.56 inches, which is his batting average. His career batting average was 356 uh, and put it on my right foot. So you can only see it when I'm Steve shoeless. There it is. Come on. That's I, I applaud the, the brilliant thinking. <laughs> I just, it's, it's wonderful. And the address we should share with the people, the address of the house is. It's three fifty six field street. There and uh, they're, they're building a new um, luxury apartment complex on that same property. And the address of that complex is going to be 408 Jackson, which is a callback to his rookie season batting average of 408, which is still the highest batting average ever in the history of baseball for a rookie. Dan Wallach is our guest here on The Score. The bartender at Yoxie's turned curator of the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum in South Carolina. I'm looking at a picture right now on this uh, great article from uh, my friend Kevin Kaduk of uh, of, formerly of Yahoo. It's the Midway Minute. um, And there's a picture of you here near a Black Sox exhibit in Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame at Mm -hmm. at the age of 12. So yeah. th- this is this is the way that the baseball world can work when you're passionate and you're just kind of following around. There's you in front of the Black Sox exhibit at age 12. 
and and now you're in charge of of Joe's of Joe's museum. I thought, frankly, that the White Sox missed a great opportunity this past year to do something. <laughs> yes, you did with the 100 year that, anniversary. You made that known. Be, well, because it's I know it's obviously it's a black mark, but people don't know some of this stuff in it, and what they don't know, some of them don't know. Is that Shoeless Joe didn't throw anything intentionally, did he, Dan? We don't think so, no. Um, he had the highest batting average in the series. He batted 375. He set the record for most hits in a single World Series at that time. And that was a record that stood for 49 years after that. He hit the only home run of those series. And what a lot of people don't even understand about that specific home run was that was the last home run hit in the dead ball era. 1920 was the start of the live ball era. So Joe Jackson hit the last home run of the dead ball era. Um, you know, he didn't commit a single error in the outfield. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of evidence that he was trying his hardest out there. Um, but at the end of the series, he took money from his teammate who he trusted, and that money came from the gamblers. So, you know, you can try as hard as you want on the field, but when you take the money, that, that does implicate you. Um, so... But do we think he he tried to lose that series on purpose? No, we we personally don't. Uh, one one of the fascinating things at the museum is uh, you have letters from how many different commissioners all turning down Joe Jackson for reinstatement into baseball, potential inclusion in the Hall of Fame. How many different commissioners do you have letters from? I believe we have uh, three, but hopefully there won't be any more in the future. Um, <laughs> Uh, because we we think at some point he's going to get let in. Um, that's that's the hope. Uh, whether that happens soon, you know, this uh, the the old time committee is meeting this year to decide the fate of the next ten years of inductees, and then the next one after that would be ten years from now. So, hopefully, one of those two meetings uh, ends in, in Joe being basically uh, allowed to be put on the Hall of Fame ballot. Talking with Dan Wallach, he is the uh, curator, future curator of the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum, fresh out of Yaxies behind the bar, and uh, it's last call for for him, anyways. the the <laughs> The idea, the question asked, it's a parallel question: is would the Cubs' aura of lovable losers go away if they actually won the World Series? Isn't that the same question about the whole plight of Shoeless Joe Jackson, the fame of Shoeless Joe Jackson, the 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 romanticism, if you will, of Shoeless Joe Jackson. What if he actually gets into the Hall of Fame? Then what? Is that a legitimate question, or does that just help the museum? You get stock up on stuff. That is something we've struggled with. Um, you know, like you said, part of the reason why people still remember Joe Jackson, as opposed to guys like Rogers Hornsby, who batted three fifty eight for his career and you know led the league in batting like eleven times, and you know just these incredible, incredible players from the early 1900s that are completely forgotten about. One of the reasons we remember Joe is because he's not in the Hall of Fame and people feel like he was done wrong by baseball and they want to have that wrong righted. Well, if that wrong is righted, are people still going to care? And that is something that we struggle with as a museum. Um, Do we think he belongs in the Hall of Fame? Of course. He's got the third highest batting average in the history of baseball. Hmm. Um, You know, he's it's it's the Hall of Fame. And can you name me more famous players than Joe Jackson? I mean, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Ted Williams all said that Joe Jackson is the best hitter that probably ever lived. You know, Babe Ruth copied his swing after Joe Jackson. So 
when you're talking about fame, I mean, there, there aren't too many people who are more deserving of a uh, plaque in Cooperstown than Joe Jackson, but is it going to be a case where if he gets inducted, you know, it'll be huge for the museum for a year or two, but then after that, are people still going to care? You know, you, we've seen uh, like the Bob Feller museum um, and, you know, even the Ted Williams hitters hall of fame in Florida um, after these guys pass away, the interest in their museum kind of goes with it. And, um, you know, Obviously, here we are 70 years almost after Joe passed away, and we still have a thriving museum, and we're actually expanding this year. You know, we're building a new addition right now. Um, so we are hitting our stride and, and have great things ahead of us, but is it going to be something that lasts forever, regardless of whether he's in or not? Uh, we, we hope so, but you never know. Um, so that that is something that we're kind of deciding how to how to move forward with you know it, it reminds me of how uh my dad who grew up a red sox fan and a ted williams fan how he felt when the red sox finally won it all he was like all right now what okay right. yeah, how do and, i act? yeah what what and how cub fans right you know like all right you know we're the team that hasn't won we're the team that hasn't won okay now now we won okay what do we, what do we do now i think it's i think you'd rather win i think you'd rather get in and have that have that bump and have things change dan i For think sure. yeah yeah, um, yeah. It, I, I love uh, I, I got two, two quickies for you before we let you go. First of all, sure. tell people about the auction that you won um, the 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 item that you were so excited to win at auction, an item that you knew, in fact, Joe Jackson had touched while he was alive. <laughs> yeah. So part of the, the hard thing about collecting Joe Jackson stuff is that he really lived in a time before there were game used jerseys or game used bats that people cared enough about to keep after the fact, you know, um, so there, there isn't too much memorabilia out there of things that we know he was involved with. So one of the things that just got put up for auction this past year was a business card from the liquor store that he ran in Greenville, South Carolina, after uh, his playing career was over. And again, a very successful business. Um, you know, he ran that with his wife, Katie, he used to give out business cards, you know, to, to people who were interested or in the area and, of all the business cards that got handed out over the years, there are only two known examples that have uh, you know, survived. One of them was the one that was in his wallet when he passed away. That was the one that got put up for auction a few months ago, and uh, I, I won that auction. So <laughs> we're pretty excited about that. We're thrilled to have that you know, on display in the museum. Um, we also have a Type 1 photo of him standing behind the counter at the liquor store. It is a pretty famous picture of Joe, so you may have seen it before. Uh, type 1 photo just means it's, it was printed very early on after the negative was taken, and it was taken from the original negative. So it's the highest clarity that you can possibly have of a photo. We're going to blow that up life-size and have that be the first thing you see when you walk in the gift shop. Uh, and I found the exact same make and model cash register that he's resting his hand on in that photo. We're going to have that in the museum as well. So people can stand behind it and recreate that photo for themselves. Man, that's awesome. One of the things I held in my hands when I was down there was a replica of the bat black beauty. It's called Betsy. Black, black Betsy. 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 Sorry, excuse yeah. me, but black, black Betsy, but yeah, held the bat so heavy, so heavy yeah. and such a thick handle. How on, how on earth was that possible? But it's a great trip and a great pilgrimage. All right. And then I just wanted to ask you, what's your favorite baseball stat? or nugget about Joe to to kind of uh, indicate to people how absurdly good he was as a contact hitter, as a hitter. It, it is time. Give me a stat that you love about Joe. So we already talked about how the fact that he hit 408 in his rookie season, he holds the record for highest batting average ever for a rookie. 
He also holds the highest batting average for a person in his last season as a player. He hit 382 in 1920 uh, before the uh, you know Major League Baseball came and, and banned the, the White Sox. So he's got a 408 average his first year, a 382 average his last year. Uh, just imagine the stuff he did in between. I mean, he he was an incredible player, and um, you know, pitchers pay the price when they face Jim Rice. Yes, but <laughs> but yes, they uh, they also pay the price when they face Julius Joe. Oh God, if you got that in for me, God bless you. Yeah, that was, that was my favorite it. T-shirt as a kid. So so are there? One last question about the museum, Dan Wallach. Are there any pictures of DB Sweeney or Ray Liotta? There are. We actually have a section in the museum that's Shoeless Joe in pop culture. So stuff from, um, you know, Eight Men Out, stuff from Field of Dreams. Also, the bat that Roy Hobbs used in The Natural was uh, modeled after uh, the story behind Black Betsy. Um, there, there's a lot of a lot of instances of, of Joe uh, being referenced or directly talked about in pop culture. So if you guys want to follow along uh, at Shoeless Museum on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, we will definitely be getting more active the closer we get to reopening this summer. Well, it's worth a pilgrimage if you're anywhere in the area because that ballpark is awesome for the Greenville Drive. It's a gorgeous little town. The mountains nearby are awfully nice. Uh, Enjoy your life down there. And if anybody has a chance, go check out the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. Totally worth it. Thank you so much, Matt, and, and Steve also, but Matt especially, thanks for always shouting us out on social media and, and keeping our, our name out there. Yeah, oh, man. yeah, Meanderings with Matt. We're trying to get this as a PBS uh, series, and we're going to go to Greenville. I wanted to hang out with your dad the whole day. Like We could have just, just sat there and, and talked baseball, go get a biscuit uh, at, at um, one of the many biscuit places. Come back after we reopen, and I can definitely make that happen for you. I know his number. There you go. He knows him. All right, Dan, thanks. thanks good luck Dan. on a, Good luck on it. Thanks so much, you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. That's Dan Wallach, Yoxie's bartender. Great. It's last call. He's going down to Dreamville, South Carolina Why to curate not? this Shoeless Joe's, Shoeless Joe's Museum. You know how hard it is to like find a job you like and are passionate about? You know how hard it is to find it's a career? He's got this thing wired. Right. You just, we just listened to that. It's, we got, he's got it wired. Yeah, how hard it is to find something that, that is feels exciting and might actually sustain you for a little while? Mm-hmm. Good for him. This hour on the score is brought to you by Santana Energy Services. Visit SantanaEnergyServices.com. All right, Anthony Rizzo's got jokes, and um, Rob Manfred's a bad one, and Jim Crane's a bad one. So we'll discuss a little bit of that when we come back. Spiegel and Rosenblum, Saturday second, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Spiegel with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. 140. In about 11 minutes, we will talk with Rick Camp and Herb Lawrence. They will follow us today. They'll be on from 2 to 5. And then uh, Bulls basketball, we'll pregame with David Schuster. We'll be here at 545. They'll play the Suns, a game they should win. And they probably will because it will hurt them in the draft and the tankathon since they're not going to the playoffs. So anyways, this is we got a text. 67011 is our text line. 773. Do you guys get Marquee in the studio? It's on now. No, we don't. No. We we have Xfinity in the studio, so what we get is an Emerald Air Fryer advertorial. <laughs> yeah. So we don't get it. So I'm interested in the air fryer though. Trust <laughs> Trusting, trusting what that it's, it's on the air. What's weird Big is that golden is what it does. What's weird, I didn't expect this, is that Ryan Dempster is also in the Emerald Air Fryer commercial. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's, he can't <laughs> stop himself. Dempster is actually going to be heavily involved in this thing. I have to go to this thing, Steve. What thing? It's called Innings Fest. Oh, it's out in Arizona. It's a what? it's a music festival the same weekend that I arrived there um, just before the Scorehouse Week. So Feb 29 and March 1 and March 2 or whatever, uh, 28, 29, 1 is Innings Fest. And there's all sorts of bands out there. There's Dave Matthews and Portugal the Man. and Oh, Pace. so this, I was going to ask you if it's like Pitchforkness or is it like sort Lollapalooza of or Bonnaroo more, more or jam Coachella? More, more, yeah, more Bonnaroo, I guess. Okay. A little more, little more Bonnaroo, although Bonnaroo has kind of expanded and trying to figure itself out. So a little more, little more Bonnaroo-y. Uh, but, but, it's, <laughs> but there's also a Dempster's doing a live off the mound thing with like Sutcliffe and Brett Saberhagen and a million different ball players. There's like 20 or 25 different ball players are going to be there. As well as the music. Gotta go. I You need to. I that's, do. That's the nexus. We discussed it last week. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if we discussed this last week. I want to make sure we get to this. Okay. Rick, Rick, Rick Sutcliffe responding to Super 70 Sports. It's a wonderful It's a wonderful Twitter follow, Super 70 Sports. And he ran this picture of Mike Schmidt and Dale Murphy. Two players at 300-plus home runs in the 80s. You're looking at them. So Ritz, Rick Sutcliffe retweeted it and said they couldn't have done it without me. <laughs> that's tremendous. But you have to go to I, I knew Innings Fest was a thing the last couple of years, but I wasn't sure the quality of the I've heard some of the names. I didn't know what it was, where it where it stacks up or if it's become even bigger. And it sounds like it's become even bigger. I don't even know. Was it always a weekend? Was it always three days? Three days, three nights. What's that? The uh, Innings Fest. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how often it's ever it's ever happened. I, I don't know the history of it. I just know that I need to get you my arse go. out there. You need to go. Yes, you need I do. To go. All right, so Anthony Rizzo's got jokes. Okay. I think it's safe to say I won't lead the league in hit-by-pitches this year. <laughs> and then he had a gif of three trash cans. So that brings up yet another step in the – another example of Rod Manfred stepping in it. Because in refusing to strip the Astros of the title once he confirmed the sign ceiling scandal, mm-hmm. and of all the things he levied, if you're an owner, if you're an arrogant owner like like Jim Crane, and by the way, according to Bob Clappish, 
who tweeted out that Jim Crane was warned about the coming storm. He was urged to gather his players to prepare for the industry reaction and the media questions, and he passed on the idea, said it'll blow over by spring training. Yeah, my God. This will never blow over. No. We're talking about the 1919 White Sox in our last segment. It will never blow over. And he's just an arrogant piece of crap, Jim yeah. Crane is, and he's... Completely he, and utterly and, non-humbled by and, the entire experience. Enabled misogynistic beliefs there, and so it's to him it's worth it. I only have to fire my general manager, my manager, and I get to keep a World Series. It was among the many things Rob Manfred did wrong in this whole situation. But now he's going around saying that... The Houston Astros are not going to lead the league in getting hit by pitches this year. They're just not. We're going to. So Rob Manfred is now protecting the cheaters. So Rob Manfred is making sure that the Astros still know which pitch is coming. It's not an inside pitch. He's making sure they, the Astros know what's coming. Mm. That's just awful. Mm. That is just, it just gets worse every time Rob Manfred makes a decision. And I don't know that he doesn't like baseball. I don't think he cares much about anything except whatever's going to make the owners money. He's a lawyer. It's just a lawyer and then a businessman and now a commission, a pawn of the owners. Um, that sport, Bongo just pawn in Game of Life. Yeah, that sport changed for the worse. Um, right after Bart Giamatti died and Faye Vincent took over. And then Faye Vincent was the last guy who the, truly tried to act in the best interest of baseball. I don't care how many times you've heard that phrase mm -hmm. since um, the owners usurped the power of Faye Vincent, knocked him out, replaced him with the used car salesman, Bud Selig. A anytime you've heard in the best interest of baseball from the commissioner's office, it's never, it's, it's never been that. It's been the best interests of the owners. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And Faye Vincent forced out, and it's a... Uh, it's a real, that was a real tragedy. And look at the difference between the way that Rob Manfred gets along with the players in MLB or, or not. The difference between that and Adam Silver and the players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. The players are empowered. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable how much the players are empowered or you think it's uh, negative for the franchises or whatever, but... Really, when you stop and think about it, that's the product. That's They're the, product. the show. They're the show. They're the ones you go to see, as the baseball players are. And the NBA players are empowered. They respect and talk to Adam and listen to Adam. It is a two-way street. This idea for the Elam ending for the All-Star game, mm -hmm. it, you know, yeah, it, 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 they saw it in the basketball tournament, this little other tournament that had taken place. But you know who was the person who brought it to Adam Silver's attention? Said, you know, this is interesting. Did you see this? You guys should talk about this. Chris Paul. Chris I didn't Paul. know that, really. Chris Paul was the guy who said, because the Big Three used it too. The Big Three tournament. Oh. So Chris Paul is, is said, to, he's the one who said to Adam Silver like a year ago, hey, this is pretty interesting. You should think about this. And Silver looked at it, talked to his people, said, yeah, you know what? Let, let's give it a shot. What the hell? Let's give it a shot, and we'll add this Kobe Bryant wrinkle with the 24 points. 
That was the best all-star game in any sport I've seen in a long, long time. Mm. And maybe ever. That mm. fourth quarter. The level of effort. The, the first pass of an offensive possession was being contested. They couldn't get into their offense because they were playing defense and drawing, foul, drawing charges and stuff like that. Came from a player. And and the players were asked afterwards, "Hey, what'd you think?" It was great. Adam listens to the players, and uh, and he, he's always open to our ideas. That, that's the dream relationship, and baseball is the furthest thing from it. And Rob Manfred is is in a he negotiated himself into a tough position. He now looks even worse. It's it's not just that he gave immunity to the, the Houston Astro players, and the union said, "We're not." No, they all get immunity. And what the union did was, you know, we protect our players, Tony Clark said. Well, what about the Mike Bolsingers of the world? Yeah, you don't, what about those players? They didn't get protected very no, well, did no. they? They lost careers. What, what, about, what about you, Darvish, who was convinced that he was tipping pitches in a World Series when the Astros were, were, were stealing signs, and it destroyed Clayton, him? Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. There's a guy with postseason, you know, that, that, that postseason black cloud, He's right? postseason PTSD. <laughs> That made it work. Well, maybe that's the year that he wins the World Series. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the year. And and that changes changes the narrative for him, right? I've talked about the Darvish thing. Maybe Darvish um, doesn't freak out and and have a very difficult mental and emotional first season with Mm -hmm. his new team quite as much if he knows that the Astros were stealing signs as opposed to him just getting destroyed. Right. And And... He still might have had a difficult time because we look. If John Lester can have a difficult first half trying to live up to that contract, yep. I would think you Darvish could too. Sure, and so yeah, it's still might, but in. not really the, the 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 to that degree. I don't think questioning everything. So so I think Rob Manfred looks even worse now every time something comes out. And what just came out is Jonathan Lucroy saying, "I was in the A's. We told them a year ago this was happening." And MLB never investigated. Yeah, that's it. brutal. That All is right. absolutely brutal. So we will uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will welcome in Rick Camp and Herb Lawrence. We will do transition. And Rick Camp, of course, is one of the the famous um, flabby founders of uh, the I'm Fat podcast. And he's unabashedly a fat. And I have somebody that I think they need to induct into the Onion Ring Hall of Fame. We'll share that, and we'll discuss this whole sports ball thing with them. He's Spiegel. I'm Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. So yep. so the Shillis Joe Jackson Museum invites you to play in a baseball game with 1860, that's the decades, 1860s yep. style rules. So you're like, okay, what, what was this game, Dan? So, so it turned out to be the first annual, and I know uh, Herb Lawrence hates that term, so we'll call it the inaugural. <laughs> What happens when your guest is a scorehead? <laughs> Interviewing Dan Wallach of the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum, and he's talking about the 1860s game that they played down there, the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum versus the Ty Cobb Museum. Suiting up, and he calls it first annual and gives Herb Lawrence a shout out. First and last annual. But it wasn't the last annual. No, it, it, it ended up being an annual. They were hoping it would be. Well, so let's, let's, how, how do you call it an inaugural if you don't know for sure that it's going to happen again? Well, you know? let's 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 ask the grammarian here. Here's that's Herb why Lawrence. You, that's why you call it inaugural so it can stand alone. 
So you, if you need to have that be the only one, it can be the itself. I got you. For, just, just in case something happens, you'd never have a second annual. You haven't embarrassed yourself. Exactly. You can't have a one without a two. Because if you are your only, if you're your parents' only child, you're not their first child. You're yes, you only, are. You're your only child. You came but if, first. But if you said, hey, I'm my parents' first child. Like, oh, you, where's your brother and sister? Like, I only have my, it's only me. Yeah. They would be confused if you said, I'm my parents' first child. Mm-hmm. They would assume you have more. So, you know, I'm pedantic, whatever. Right. It's like calling your first wife your first wife before there is any <laughs> exactly. reason to think there might be a second one. Right. I, I used Danger. To do, I used to do that. And she still remains. She was the first wife. And that's how, <laughs> that's how it, So we've been asked, we've been texted here if we were watching Marquee, and we said no because we get Xfinity in the studio, so we were watching the Emerald Air Fryer commercial for an hour, and then uh, on my Twitter machine, Phil Rosenthal tweeted out that he's still on the phone with RCN Connects regarding Watch Marquee. He's at the 40-minute mark of being, <laughs> being on the phone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So good news for Comcast, <laughs> Comcast Xfinity subscribers. You're not missing anything because the picture is... The screen grab is you can't view Marquee Sports. This may be because you do not yet subscribe to this channel. Please contact RCN, and then you get to wait on hold contacting RCN. Oh, yeah. So if, if for those scoring at home, Herb Lawrence and Rick Camp, and uh, congratulations if you are, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, so we have... Not available, of course, as we know, on Xfinity, YouTube TV, all those things. But where they are available, DirecTV, how's that going on DirecTV? According to Evan Altman, it is not available via the Marquee app. Yeah. No, you can't get it yet on the app because they don't have the authentication uh, li- authentication lined up. Um, if you have DirecTV, uh, the, direct- the channel itself on the DirecTV is not working yet. Didn't you tell me that, Rick? There's no, there's no nothing there just yeah. yet. It's uh, and it's not on Hulu Live yet either. Not exactly what we call a smooth rollout. No, no. I mean maybe smooth in that there hasn't been a peak at all because it hasn't gotten off the ground. But you know, have they had enough time to do this? I'm sure you know what months, maybe a year plus to know what's going on. They hired their people a month ago. The on-air staff, so it's uh, you would yeah. think that a it's a good a thing company, it's that they well, move the game tonight. Yeah, right. Sinclair is a. TV, you know, big time thing. They yeah. paired up with a with people who know how to run TV. So you would think that things like this wouldn't be the problem. And it's not a good start for Marquee if you're going to be a Cub fan wanting to get their uh, product. But you know what? One sixty two here on the score. Uh, there you go. Once starting starting tonight. And, uh, no, 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 no. And, oh, not the tonight. Bulls. That, that we we should have had the Cubs in the afternoon. We would have been off at one fifty-five here. here you know here's the thing. Here's the thing about this, Herbie. Though, real quick, the um, yeah, obviously they they're they've done whatever they've done to have helped this roll out so sloppy. But how bad is your cable company usually? Like how how miserable is your standard cable company customer service experience? Always terrible and always terrible. So that's yep. that's who's that, that's the gatekeeper beyond the the facilitators as well. So who knows where the ugliness is? Coming and with from. the radio feed on March first, I believe Matt's Beagle doing play by play. How about it? Man? I'm glad you brought that up. Crazy. We had not discussed that today. We discussed Innings Fest, which is a standard nexus of sports and and music, but. Congratulations. Thank you. What contest did you win? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Score search. Um, yeah, no, that's right. No, that, that's the other. That's the midday guy. Okay. The, um, <laughs> all midday guys. All midday. That's right. That's how they all work. Uh, no, man. I, I've been like I did. What did I do? I think I did eleven pre and post last year. I went nine and two it, as yeah. a pre and post guy. And every time I'd say, "Hey, uh, Zach, can I do the fifth inning? Uh, hey, Mitch, uh, can I do the fifth inning?" And Mitch would say, "No, no, no, no." And I said, "Well, how about next year? As spring training comes around, maybe I get a shot at doing a game." Get some flat miles. I just said, I'll consider that. And then here we are. He considered it and gave me a shot. So I don't know that it'll mean I get to do the fifth inning during the game, probably or during the season. Probably not. But uh, but you will be doing the spring training game a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. March 1st. That's crazy. And you will be an actual, real live Ron Coomer sitting next to you. The best. The nicest guy. Yes. The, the, the best teammate. Like, it just, whatever you need speaks. What, what can I help you with? What can I do? As soon as I walked in there for the first time. Will you get Zackles in the background? Will he <laughs> laugh unceremoniously at I, your. I think I, I have DePaul basketball to thank for this opportunity. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You would. So, not that's many Zackles in DePaul basketball right now. No. Oh, no. Got not, grim. Not a lot. It's I mean, grim. if DePaul hits a streak in the Big East and somehow wins the Big East, they're bad. Whatever. Yeah. You might have some more games because Zach might have to go to uh, Madison Square Garden for an extended period of time. Hey, a boy can dream. Yes, It's exactly. either that, and Zach knows this, I either wish uh, Big E's success or crippling diarrhea on Zach. I wish one of those two. <laughs> wow. Are they going to be... Maybe diarrhea is much more possible. Right. Are they going to be performing at Innings Fest? Is that one of the bands? Crippling, crippling diarrhea. diarrhea. Hey, we are crippling diarrhea. <laughs> All right. So we have some texts that um, people are getting it in Decora, Iowa. Mediacom is carrying Marquee. There you go. Uh, 815, I'm currently watching the Marquee Network. It has too much Ryan Dempster. (laughs) Uh, This this texture says channel 664 on DirecTV is watching it right now. So there it is. That's the big one that they have is DirecTV, AT&T, and available. So there you go. Okay, Rick Camp, before we get out of here, I did want to bring this to your attention as a certified fat. True. And and as one of the founding members of the I'm Fat podcast, Mm -hmm. that is... Grossly underrated, I believe it should be. There should be awards you should be not for which you should be nominated. Here is somebody that I think you should consider for your Onion Ring Hall of Fame. Okay, Brad, Baltimore Ravens offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman. He went down to Amarillo, Texas, and he ate a meal that consisted of this: a seventy-two ounce steak. You finish it and it's okay. free. That's a shrimp cocktail. Oh boy! A salad that takes up too much space. Right. A roll with butter. And do it under one hour. He did it with 10 minutes to spare. Oh, my God. That's... He did it in 50 minutes. That's good. Four and a half pounds yeah. of romp and stomp and steak on its own. And, and a salad. And a salad. <laughs> and there's I no... Mean, you, gotta have, you gotta have color on the plate somewhere. <laughs> and and that's it. Butter. That's what I'm told. So and, I and think then, that's and, an epic thing. That and, really is. Yeah, the time aspect. Because, like, I've thought of, and it's been threatened on the air sometimes for, like, what... The uh, I would do something along those lines with pizza rolls, and I'm very confident I could eat a boatload of pizza rolls in the course of a Bernstein and McKnight show. But doing it in that short amount of time, that much food is where it's really impressive. How, how much is a boatload? Is that a technical term? <laughs> um, <laughs> like if you go to Costco and get the biggest pizza roll. Yeah, it's like, bags. like I, the biggest one I normally see is like a 90 pack. Uh-huh. I'm confident I could get through a 90 pack in the course of a show. Wow. I want to see it now. Well, just in a, terms of a just in a Bernstein explanation of something, you could get through that. You'd, have to, eat to, you'd have to eat to forget. 
God. Now you're making me not want to do it because it would then get a Bernstein explanation. All right, we're going to get out of here. <laughs> Thank David Schuster, Eldon Ham, Dan Wallach, and uh, Zach Withers, Sean Anderson. Thank everyone who listened, texted, whatever. Thank you that you can't get marquee, so you're listening to The Score. Rick Camp and Herb Lawrence are next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Rick Camp's in studio. And Rick Camp in studio. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.